Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click, so I hope you watch your A-game. A-man, no lames on the track when we unite and spit. This isn't A-game, better bring your A-game. Hey, now it's the Mike and JD show and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I just got out of the car. Like <laughs> I just, I just got home. So two of my, uh, two of my former high school athletes today, um, are starting for their division one college program. And they wrestled against the University of Illinois tonight. And that's a two and a half hour drive from home. So I grabbed the kid and we went down and watched them compete and then drove home and spent more time in the car than we spent at the meet. But I'm here and I'm ready to talk pro wrestling. It's good, man. It's not like, dude, once like it's a it's a thing with coaches and with teachers. And then I, I feel that way with what I do. Because I always tell my airmen, no matter where they go next, like once my airmen, always my airmen, like I always got yeah. your back. And I kind of see that in the coaching community where like it doesn't matter where they go. Like you're still their coach. Like these are my guys. Like one of them was like I've had him since he was in the fifth grade. The other was like my special project the last couple of years. And to see them both start that same wrestling at the same college, you know, D1 uh, Southern Illinois University wrestling against, you know, the University of Illinois and like a freshman and it was just like, man, I, you know, our whole coaching staff went down there and it was my kid's hero is the one. So, I mean, like I, I had to, and it was a rematch against the kid that beat him in the state finals his sophomore year. So, I mean, it was like, it was like, I had, I had to go. I told you, I was like, I have yeah. to go. It's like, I have to go. I could have done without yeah. the faculty meeting at three o'clock today. That I didn't need. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it's yeah. been a day. How are you in yeah. Missouri, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I, I'm in here. I'm so my, um, my cousin, uh, put me up in a fifth wheel camper in, uh, out at a campground that he used to own, but he still has like his spot at the campground. So, um, it was either this or I stay in his man cave full of Dallas Cowboy stuff. And like, I walked in there and I walked in there the other day and my blood started boiling. And- <laughs> Mike. Hey, are we back? Yeah, we're, we're all right. We're back. Yeah, all right. So part part of being out here at this campground is I have Starlink internet, <laughs> and uh, it just kind of just goes kaput sometimes. But so I'm, I'm out here in this uh, fifth wheel, this fifth wheel camper. Dude, it's got a king size bed, a full kitchen. Ooh. I got um, a an electric grill on the outside. Got a full refrigerator, kitchen island. I got two reclining two recliners right here that are both heated and have uh, vibrating things on it, like and I got and I got like a, a TV with a Roku. I'm like, holy shit! Like uh, this is this is actually perfect for me. The only weird thing is, is and I'll shine a spotlight on it. You see that couch behind me? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a black leather couch, and it keeps reminding me of the casting couch. You know what I'm talking about? You know what the fuck I'm talking about. You no, know what I, I'm talking about. <laughs> no, Mike. So, so fit, okay, I told you about this earlier this week. I was in class on Tuesday. Oh, no. I forgot already. Girl Holy in my shit. class, one of my favorite students, comes up and goes, my mom recommended your podcast to my cousin. And I said, which podcast and i'm hoping to god it's the superhero podcast because that one's a lot more uh <laughs> that one's a lot more palpable for the normies than this one and she's like oh yeah. the wrestling one and i just went 
Oh, oh. wonderful. Because this well, this <laughs> nice lady, but she's like in her 60s. And I'm like, yeah. oh God, we kind of yeah. Oh God. So I'm gonna go into parent teacher conferences in a couple weeks and just play dumb. Yeah, my uh, dude, my bad. I I was setting that joke. I'm up, not helping uh, for a couple of days. I know I was setting that joke up for a couple of days, totally forgetting you had told me that story. Like I had totally forgot already. That's okay. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. News to me. Yeah. Well, so we do apologize for going about 30 minutes late. So we appreciate everybody staying up late. My it's, bad. It is the voices of wrestling up all night, like a Ronda Shear from back up. in the day. Oh night. Yeah. Did so we do a we, podcast with someone who didn't know who that was a couple of years was, ago. We that like, was one no, that was that was our debut episode. That was Suit Williams. I had no idea. Oh, who, that's uh, right. That's what Wanda was. Sheer was. Yeah. yeah. I think he thought it was like uh Tiffany Amber Thiessen or something like that. I can't oh, remember what God. he said. Yeah, I can't remember who he said it was, but um but yeah, no, so dude, we uh we we have a lot to talk about. I think we covered the, the wrestling media stuff pretty well on our individual podcast. Um, which you did a JD Oliva project. I did a brace for impact over the weekend. And then right before I hopped on here with this show, I recorded another brace for impact. Cause I actually watch impact live tonight. And uh, I just went immediately after impact was over and then live for Patreon. Uh, so all you Patreon subscribers out there, there a brace for impact is ready to go. It's it's in your audio feed and the full video is there. So everybody go check that out and support that. But uh, yeah, I did. I did a full brace for impact and uh, I think we covered the, the wrestling media stuff pretty well, but I want to put a little bit of a bow on that because earlier today, Sean Ross Sapp uh, tweeted out a story that um because he's because the cm punk stuff just won't go away right no he's like herpes yeah and he he said that uh, at at wwe fast lane that triple h all the talent and everybody were prepared for cm punk questions they were prepared to answer them and basically shoot down the rumors but none of the fan media that was in attendance at the press conference even asked the question of whether or not they were looking at cm punk can you believe the fightful people had the audacity? And it wasn't just Sean Rossap. Like the fightful people had the audacity to get mad at me. Cause you just made jokes. I'm the one who said the fucking wrestling media sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know that John Alba was at that press conference. I don't know who was and who wasn't. I know one of the guys, Steve Fall, which I honestly credit to Steve Fall. He knows exactly what he, yeah. he knows exactly what he is. He, he asked Triple H if Taylor Swift was coming in. So he's clearly just working like I'm just a big fan and I'm lucky to be here gimmick. He's kind of their version of Russell Joy. Like, you know how like Amy would go in there and just ask really nice questions to AEW. She's a super nice person. Are so, you going to talk to me about how Russell Joy works, Mike? Oh, so yeah. You used to work there. My bad. I'm going to love it. <laughs> yeah, but, and nothing wrong with that. But their whole no. their whole gimmick was they're big fans of AEW. Like mm-hmm. I I get it. So I, I feel like he's like a different thing, right? But there's these other folks. They like went to school for this shit, and are like are trying to present themselves as professionals when clearly they're not. They don't want to ask tough questions to these people because they don't want to lose their access and they're afraid they're going to get blackballed. They're in the business of media, not interrogations, as was yeah. told to me. Um, yeah, yeah. The fucking wrestling media sucks, which is why Triple H had to go to. They had to send the other thing to Sean Wrestling. Like, hey man, make sure you let everybody know that we're not signing CM Punk because we assumed you dorks were going to ask us, but none yeah. of you dorks has a set of balls and decided to ask you and decided to ask us this. Like, it's just they're so pathetic, man. They're just, and they, you know, what's funny is like, I feel like I had a more positive interaction with Sean Rossett than you did with anybody. Yeah, well, you, here here's why you did. You actually interacted. I let people yeah. say whatever they want. I I was just like, I was like, I'm going viral. I'm not I'm not replying to anybody. And I didn't reply to a single person that said anything. I was like, people people were like saying they loved what I said. Didn't reply. Like John Alba and all these other cats that that quote tweeted me and uh, and gave me that all that attention. Didn't reply one bit. Not a single fucking bit. I like they wanted me to fight with them and I didn't give it to them. Sometimes, and I this is a lesson for everybody out there. Sometimes best response, no response. And that's what they got out of me. I waited for my podcast and I said what I had to say on there. So if they wanna they want to know the fuck I think about it, they can go over to the Mike and JD show YouTube channel or they can go to the Patreon and they can find out what I think. 
No, sir. Sometimes the best is when you verbally beat Sean Rossap into submission. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. I will take that win. And I, I consider yeah. that a win. Yeah, that, so, yeah. that is a win. I, I was, dude, I took my kid to trunk or treat when that stuff was happening. So I was like, oh, I think JD's, I think JD's got a train coming by his house. He had to mute us, mute himself. Yep. You're, you're not muted though. Oh shit. <laughs> but I can't hear the train, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think, I think I'm pretty much done with that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue to talk about it as stuff comes up. Like, I, I think it's important just like, I think it's the media and the news and journalism. I think it's their job to hold wrestling companies accountable I think when they screw up and when they're acting shady, I think it they should be held accountable too. And guess what? That counts for me too. And that's why I love our um, audience because when I say the wrong shit, like they'll just put it out there in the comments or they'll put it on Patreon. Um, they, these guys correct me all the time, especially on the impact stuff. When I when I say, "Hey, I think this happened," they're like, "No, this is what actually happened." It's like, oh, "Okay, I, you know, I just talking off the top of my head." So I get corrected all the time. I think that's okay. It's okay to be wrong as long as you're willing to admit it, take accountability, and learn from it. Mike, you and I have a gimmick where we bury each other for being wrong all the time, and yeah. we're wrong a lot. Yeah. Like it happens pretty frequently. Um, that's just the one thing that bugs me. It's funny we said we weren't going to talk about about this, and we're ten minutes into the show and we're still talking about this. But yeah, um, it's just I, the the fact that they felt the need to bury themselves. And then, like, they get really offended about it. Like, the fact that people are still passive aggressively coming at you for this for a joke. <laughs> yeah. You made a like, joke. I was a dick. You made a joke. Dude, there's still people that weren't even on that tweet that I made that are still talking about it, saying, Oh, Raw is this time. Oh, hey, the NXT is on at this time. Like, this Lissa Kate lady from Fightful, I'll be honest, I couldn't pick that lady out of a lineup. Oh, she's they keep saying, Dude, they keep sending me her tweets. And she's still talking about it. She quote tweeted me. And I was just like, I don't know who you are. She's talking about all the streams that she's ever had. And she's never once cared about what I just said. You cared enough to quote tweet it. And then you're still Wolf. talking about it. You know, it's like, I, like I, you, you've done, you've done 700 live streams. Are any of them any fucking good lady? I don't know. Maybe no, the, the, I have no idea who she is. Transferring heat says Sap has a very cult following. He does. And I was kind of worried when he started coming at me. I was like, well, not because of Sean Ross Sapp, but because of like the minions. But I didn't well, get I didn't get sick down by the minions. But his no, uh his 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 podcast minions is a different story. Well, you know, he, no nobody nobody like none of his minions came after me, but there's a you know a couple people, but I just didn't respond. It's like who's got that kind of time? But here I'm I was just a little bit Dave Meltzer, that's who. Yeah, I, I was just I'm I'm a little disappointed in him. I think I hold him to a higher standard, but um, because he does actually break legitimate news, like he really like he legitimately does digging and he actually breaks legitimate news. I've been using it for years on podcasts. But that's the thing, though, is he gets to say I'm not a journalist, so he can yeah. break news, but he can do PR. He said to me, he's like, you could say anything we do is PR, and I said, yes, I would agree with you. Everything you do is PR. And he was kind of like, well, to each their own. Because <laughs> yeah. he knows his, I'm right. His you initial know? response his initial response to me was him doing the same thing for AEW. And I'm like, this was not about WWE. This <laughs> just like, I'm just like WWE. Like you guys just now did this for WWE and it was brought to my attention. I never paid that much attention before. And that's why I, I just, it just happened to happen that day. Right, I'm sure they it, the same thing has happened with AEW. I just never noticed it. Like in in unison around the same time, so many different guys from so many different publications all saying the same thing. Right, like that that was the funny part of that whole thing. Oh, Seahawk tried to get you. He's like, notice how he cut the times. There was an hour and a half. Really yeah, hour. well, I cut. I only cut the times just to make it fit into the tweet better. <laughs> and and that was and like the times that was inconsequential to me like i knew that they were all around the same time but. you know what's the this is what it comes down to is there and i said this on my show is there are too many guys like us that just sit here and bullshit right that's what yeah. we do we sit and bullshit and there's space for that but there's not enough guys who want to be the next dave Meltzer. yeah right and that's the problem is that like nobody really want like it's easy to sit there and just you know bullshit you know it's easy 
And then the fact that, again, we have no problem calling, saying we are bullshitters, right? Yeah. When you said this, so many people in this space got mad. So many of them. Like Seahawk had to come out and like, and bullshit with us too. Like, what do you do? Like you do stuff for the torch. Who cares (laughs) about the torch? Like, yeah. I don't know, man. The fact, and again, I was like, man, I'm proud of Mike for ruffling so many feathers. Like, this was an astounding thing, and we should probably put a pin in that and move on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think we're done with that topic. Um, let's. What's that? Go ahead. I was, I was impact tonight because apparently I need a new show to watch. I, if I were you, impact. I liked impact tonight, but if I were you, knowing you the way that I know you, you know me. Um, right now they are a um. There's no storylines right now, essentially, because they're just waiting for TNA to start. So this is like a lame duck period. So tonight was just matches for the sake of matches. And I know that doesn't really have like you wouldn't be interested. And the production quality was rather indie because they hired an indie company to do their production because they're just in their lame duck period. So I would say wait till hard to kill. And then that's mm-hmm. when you should start back up again, just because I know I know you. Mike, I think maybe storylines are overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. After this week of watching wrestling, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I want some UWFI. (laughs) You know, maybe I need (laughs) just to watch people beat each other up because I, uh, God, I I think I hate professional wrestling. So let's go ahead and get into our first topic. AEW creative issues, man. So, you know, we... I think we have kind of pinpointed exactly when this started and it was a uh, June of 2023 when one Jimmy Jacobs got hired on and they hired him on at the recommendation of, I'm sure like the name Brian Danielson has been tossed around, but Chris Jericho is a big fan of his too, because he did the whole list and he did the entire storyline with him and Kevin Owens. And that was very popular. Um, awesome. And I, Young Bucks are friends of his. He got fired from yeah. WWE because he was hanging out on being the elite with the Bucks. So yeah. he's well liked. He is well liked, and he had a and he had a long run at Impact after he had gotten fired from uh, WWE. Oh, and I thought it ever. was only a matter. Yeah, I thought it was only a matter of time before they brought Jacobs over. But I was just like, you know what? He doesn't really do what AEW does. Like he does spooky stuff. He does extra goofy, silly stuff. And boy, they brought him over because you know, hey, look, they're they're they have Collision now. They have another two-hour show that's in prime time, so they need more help. They need more help booking and writing and producing and all that stuff. They just didn't bring the right help. They brought another WWE washout, and now the show feels more like WWE than it ever has before. How long have we been the Mike and JD show? It's been a tumultuous year for the two of us as far as like the show yeah. goes. How long, since, how long have we been? How long? Since April. Okay, so it's about mid-March. That I was watching an episode of Impact, and I watched Taylor Wilde play with tarot cards on the apron during a match. And I texted you, and I said, "Mike, I cannot do this fucking show anymore. I can't do it." Yeah. And I was like, ready to walk. I was ready to talk to Garrett and be like, "Man, I don't, I don't think this podcast thing is for me." Like, and I told you, I said, "I don't really like Impact. I don't like this show. I don't like where it's going. I can't stand Jimmy Jacobs." And that's when we rebranded the Mike and JD show. Cause I was like, I can't do this. I think we were the Mike and JD show for like three months. And then Jimmy Jacobs had moved over to AEW and we joked yeah. about it. You posted the video. You posted the yeah, receipt. Yeah. As, as Rich says, yeah. rent is due. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we, yeah. uh, we used to, um, Joe was on our show and we said, Oh, Jimmy Jacobs coming in. That's no good. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, so it, if you go to the Mike and JD Show YouTube channel, it's a, it's about a three-minute video. I clipped it because we we had gotten some inside info that AEW was looking to hire a creative team because they had just signed the deal for Collision, right? And they were going to be bringing in more writers and producers. And I made the joke, is like, are they going to bring in Jimmy Jacobs and R.D. Evans and do some spooky shit? And we kind of laughed and said how terrible that would be. And sure enough... A month later, they brought in Jimmy Jacobs, and now we got Julia Hart and Sky Blue. Sky Blue, she blew, she blows um, Blue Mist, by the way, because her she, name's Sky Blue. She tries to blow Blue Mist, but she missed. The Great Muda is rolling in his grave, and he's not even dead yet. Yeah, it's it's oh, dude, I saw this great joke. So um, 
uh, Amy Schumer, right, stated mm -hmm. that she was, um, you know, probably one of the greatest female comedians of all time. So somebody quote tweeted that and I said, a bold you know statement. what? Yeah, he's like, you know, what? Carol Burnett is rolling around in her. And he goes, hold on, quick Google search, bed right now. I was like, oh, that's a good. Hashtag good tweets. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was the week for me where, you know, because again, you know me on the show. I'm, I'm I, I get a, an RBFI chat. I get accused of being the AEW homer. They're right. Yeah. And I, I worked for wrestling joy. I like, I, you know, that's kind of what I was. And I just, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a creative guy. I want to see things play out before I shit on them. I'm not a fan of looking at something right away and going, this is bad. Mike, I've been watching it play out and, and I couldn't get through the show last night. I went to bed. I'm like, this is dumb. I'm tired. I hate this fucking thing. And I, there was, it wasn't like it was one particular thing, but I, yeah, it was the announcement. It was the announcement. I told yeah. you, I said, I want to see what this announcement is. And that's going to make a big determination of how I feel. And they told me tickets are going on sale for Wembley in December. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You've got uh... to be fucking kidding me. And then I missed, I missed Paul White coming out. Cause I don't care, but this is, this is where we're at. And I, I said a couple weeks ago on this show that the bones of pro wrestling, I fucked it up. Uh, the, I had a really good tweet. That was ba yeah. I have a really good comment on the show. I don't remember what it was. I basically said like wrestling is littered with the bones of companies trying to be WWE, something to that effect. Yeah. Th and that's exactly what it was. Was that what it was? That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Just had to calm yeah. down. I remember. And here we are. We're just, they're, they, they're trying to make us nostalgic for Jarrah's show. Dude, like Jarrah's show and like, okay. Chris Jericho in his fifties, big show in his fifties. Right. And then they just announced they have signed to a multi-year deal. Ric Flair. Now I don't think he's going to wrestle. He's got brothers, got a pacemaker, but I mean, like, it, it, they're doing exactly what they said that they weren't going to do. They're doing exactly what kind of, yeah, they're, they're doing exactly what we insulted TNA for doing there for a yeah. couple years. And I told you like, so we're talking about the MJF and acclaim stuff, which was basically the bloodline, bloodline. In, a, in a different, it, it's essentially the bloodline, right? It, they're, they're doing the bloodline stuff. They did it over the course of an entire episode with the payoff at the very end of the show. It was their version of the bloodline. And it reminded me of when John Gabruk took over for Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. And he had Eric Young on the show. They had him grow a beard. They had him do the pointing gimmick where he was doing this gimmick. Not, not yes, 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 but he was doing a pointing dance. And mm -hmm. they did the underdog babyface all the way to the world championship. They literally did the same exact storyline that was happening in WWE. They just, they just verbatim copied it, right? With, with just a different guy. Like that's like, they're doing stuff like that. And now look, we got Edge and Christian feuding in 2023, right? We got Edge and Christian feuding. And uh, so Joe, Joe actually texted me today that there's people on Reddit when they're watching Dynamite last night. There, there were several people like, holy shit, I forgot Edge was even in this company, right? So, but now they're, they're doing Edge and Christian. They got the Hardy Boys, Jericho's back. Um, I could totally see them bringing in Dolph Ziggler next year. More free agents are coming. I think Seamus and Drew McIntyre might be on the free agent list. I could see Seamus in this company. You know what I mean? Like these 40 year old guys that, that were never able to draw coming into this company and then, and then taking out the originals that we love so much. I don't see a fucking reason in hell why Paul white and 2023 is tag team with Chris Jericho uh, on, on AEW. Unless he's going to get fucking dropped at his head by Hobbs, what are we doing? Yeah. Unless he's there to get squashed by Hobbs, there is no purpose to this. We have totally lost the plot with AEW. Like, it is exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to be. And, and Muse pointed this out to me a while ago. Vince McMahon made a comment saying, they got some of our old talent. Maybe yeah. we'll give them some more. And this yep. is exactly what's happened. This was the plan. This was really smart. Is he released just enough guys? That he knew Tony Khan. Now, Tony Khan didn't bite on everybody, but Tony, he was much more tempered on this in 2020 and 2021. Now it's gone crazy. Like, he, he yeah. didn't bring in Strowman. He didn't bring in Nia Jax. But that's, like, it. Like, everyone else is coming. <laughs> yeah. 
they, like, they, they, they've at least had an opportunity. Yeah. I, I am so, like, I was pretty fired up about it yesterday, but I'm actually in a good mood right now because I got to see some real wrestling. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of happy and I'm also feeling defeated. Like, one of the mantras that you and I came up on this show is fuck the casuals because chasing the casual audience is not what any company should do. That's not WWE. And you had all these disingenuous fucks like Wade Keller making all these things saying, well, how is AEW going to get their second million? And then he writes this passive aggressive 10, 10 things he wants from Tony Khan's uh, press conference. When like two of them were like, okay, that actually good suggestion. The other eight were dumb. We're dumb as fuck. I've never seen a person that hates his hobby more than Wade Keller. I hope he's a miserable human being because he sure comes off that way in all of his pot and everything he does. Just an absolute miserable fuck that used to be that used to be really good at his job that isn't anymore. Yeah. Hope, mm-hmm. hope that gets back to the torch. By the way, so here we go. We because you listen to all these bad faith detractors not even the cornets cornets whatever but you all these bad people telling you what you have to be and then rather than listening to the people that like your product the people that are spending money on your product the people like me that have seen every pay-per-view paid for it paid for it either at the movie theater at home or in the fucking arena we don't matter anymore it's not fuck the casuals mike it's fuck the hardcores fuck yeah. those guys though don't we don't care about the people that like seeing a hangman and, and Kenny Omega fight for the belt. We don't want to, we don't care about the guys that got all jacked up when Moxley and Omega fought at winter is coming. No, no. We want the fans that want to watch Matt Taven stroke <clears throat> off a stuffed draft. We, we, we want to see the people. kangaroo kick. Yeah. That's what, that is a drop kick. People freak out about that. That's just a shotgun drop kick. So I don't really get worked up over the kangaroo kick. I do think it's, I do think it's, I'm over watching Roderick strong. One of this generation's best workers scream Adam. I'm not even into the voice. Scream Adam, Adam over and over again. It's not funny. Com- Here's the thing about comedy. This is a controversial take. I like Danhausen. I think Danhausen is funny. He's got good timing. He's basically a living Simpsons character. Roderick Strong is not funny. Saying the same thing over and over again with zero timing and zero anything is not funny there's nothing about this fucking show that's funny there's nothing about it that's entertaining it's just throwing so much and up this they don't have they don't do stories fuck you man they do so many fucking stories i can't keep it straight <laughs> yeah i'm tired yeah. of these these bad faith stuff we don't work for garrett anymore so i can say it all these dumb fucks who work for the ringer that yeah i guess network fucking sucks like we can't. I'm tired of these bad faith dipshits that ruined something that was really great two years ago because they had to have hot takes, right? They couldn't stand the fact that there was a company that was outperforming WWE, and because Tony can't get off of Twitter, he's reading all these dumbass takes from blue checks. So now we have to have this. I posted a picture of Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings whispering into the king's ear. And I said, "This is Jimmy, Jimmy Jacobs on the way back to on the way back to Jacksonville." One of my favorite man. tweets. wasn't as good as your tweet, but it was. It was one of yeah, my I, man, I, I wish I wish I would have had that one queued up. That's a that's a, a hell of a tweet. That <laughs> made me laugh. I'm not gonna lie. I thought yeah. about this morning, but that's what we got right now. He is listening to the worst fucking people. He's listening to Jimmy Jacobs. He's listening to Pat fucking Buck. He's listening to all these guys who, by the way, were in WWE before it got popular again. Yeah. And now here we are. Now your product doesn't look anything like theirs. The Ric Flair thing, I, I it's Ric Flair, and they're not, it's not costing them any money. Like Ric Flair's just going to show up here and there to promote a, a mushroom flavored energy drink that'll go out of business in six months. I yeah. Don't care. The, the, the Ric Flair do, thing doesn't bother me because it's Ric Flair. Like that, yeah. that's not that big of a deal to me. But it's just, everything it's else. Just, but but it's it's just like it's another it's another like old guy that they're continuing to bring in. And now this guy's on a multiple year deal. He's going to be all over the show. And I'm watching the average age of this show continue to go up, up, and up. And really, the guys that I was hoping to to see kind of get to kind of I I like seeing young guys come up through the ranks and become Everyone stars. Does. And, you know what I mean? And so like, but now we're bringing another old guy in. Of course, he's not going to wrestle. But he's going to be taking up a little bit of TV time, a little bit of airtime away from some other people. And now they got him in on a two-year deal. And I'm like, Sting's retiring in fucking March. Like, mm-hmm. what's he going to do? He'll probably be in uh, Andrade's corner is what I'm guessing, which that's fine. 
if he's just in Andrade's corner and comes out every once in a while, but it's just, you know, it's just like another example of another guy that's like, did you really need to bring him in? Like, and here's the problem is that this was the company that was doing the legends right at first, right? Two years ago, you had sting who was revitalizing his career, right? Yeah. You had Christian who has also done the same. Christian's been a godsend to this company. He's been great. Then you had Mark Henry and Paul White just on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. And Jericho did. And Jericho was, you know, your Babe Ruth. And that was fine. You had all these other guys that were doing stuff. And now that's over. That's done. You know, and um, I just, somebody, it's so disheartening. Somebody in the, in our Slack channel for Voices of Wrestling said that uh, last night's AEW looked like Royal Rumble 2003 with all the different like guys from uh, 20 years ago that were on that show that were also on the Royal Rumble. <laughs> It's like, and they they started just naming off names. I'm like Billy Gunn, Chris Jericho, the Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, uh, Ric Flair. Uh, you know, Christ. big 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 show. I, I don't think Mark Henry was on Dynamite last night, but Mark Henry's in the. You know what I mean? Like all these different guys that were in that company in 2003. The it, it's really it really is incredible. Now I I want I want to I want to just point out that. This isn't just Mike and JD bitching because I feel like for the most part, our show, I feel like we've always been fair to AEW, but I would say we've, we've kind of been leaning over to the, give them the benefit of the doubt. Like we didn't, I don't think we ever really took them to task as much as some of the other podcasts out there were. I think maybe we're a little bit more positive than, than we were negative, but that doesn't mean we're being dishonest. I think we're, we both had a little bit of homers. Yeah. And, but we were giving them the benefit of the doubt on, on a pretty regular basis. And I think the benefit of the doubt for me has pretty much run out. Oh, it's done, but it's done. But Um, that's, um, that's the thing is like, I think you give them, I give them the benefit out because they did do good stuff for a while and they are capable of doing good things, but they just don't anymore and haven't for a year plus. Yeah. So here, and and it's not just us and it's not just voices of wrestling. And I know voices of wrestling, they were pretty tough on them with the flagship this week. And our, and our good. friend suit Williams has wrote, written some really good columns and he's got one out right now on the voices of wrestling network. And I really strongly urge everybody to go check it out, but here's Ibu, right? Our friend Ibu from a Russell purist who people, I think people have accused him of being an AEW Homer too, but here it is. He said, it is the fall of 2024 dynamite's very bad. Serious acts like Kingston, Ortiz, and Santana, along with other young wrestlers we like to see, are thugging it out on Rampage. Dynamite has devoted TV time to Dolph Ziggler and Paul White. The main event was Edge versus Sheamus, the Hardys, Ric Flair, and the acclaimed all scissored in the middle of the ring earlier in the show after winning a 10-man tag against Team Jared and a Hill Danhausen. Delusional guy still hanging on. Oh, my God, the sky is not falling. Stop doom and gloom posting. Ugh, enough bad faith grifting muted. I, th- he is so fucking right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of- a bit. Well, well, a bit over the top. I think, I, I think it's his scenario. Mike froze again. So, well, Mike was. I'm gonna let Mike come back with his words. But I mean, would Ibu, you, you back? Yeah. Did nope. I? Did I? Did I leave? <laughs> yeah, you froze. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna waste time till you got back. Uh, like, cause you were you were in the middle of a diatribe there. So, uh, go continue. Well, no, I was just saying, Ibu's tweet. Did the Ibu's tweet get to come up? I, I really wanted to showcase that. If yeah, not, yeah, that came up. That yeah, it was good. Okay, so Ibu, I, I don't think his tweet is really, while while a bit over the top, I don't think it's that far fetched. Like no. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we're looking at, you know, Edge versus Sheamus main eventing a Dynamite next year, considering we currently have Edge versus Christian in 2023. No, we thought Tony Khan had this like vision of pro wrestling that was forward thinking and looking toward building to the future. Right. We all assume that. And then now he's acting like he now he's actually acting the way the people accuse him of being three, four years ago. Right. Yeah. Now he feels like a kid playing with the toys because all these guys from his youth, my youth are available. But I don't I don't understand why he wants to see them on television in 2023. Like the Hardy Boys have had more than their fair shot and they've been bad. They've been yeah. bad here in AEW. And like, look where they're relegated on the card. Like, we did all this great stuff for for Title Tuesday, so to say, right? They put all these like Edge and and the Hardy Boys were on that, and they didn't give us Kenny Omega and MJF the biggest match they had, which they would waste. Because I was told, I was told on Twitter that that wouldn't make sense to have done it <laughs> then. Well, you needed to have it the week that he was going to break the record. Like, oh yeah, because they set that up. 
by not really setting it up. And what did they do? They traded their biggest match away for an ass kicking on yeah. Saturday night. Like, and then they follow it up with that episode of Dynamite. They have fucking lost it. But Tony's not going to listen to guys like us because he's got people that saying, don't listen to the Marks, man. Don't listen to the Meltzer guys. They're all Marks. And look what it's doing for a show. It's falling. Yeah. Can't, can't sell tickets without giving them away. I hope, I have never hoped that AEW lost the war of 2024 so bad because I want MJF the fuck off my show. Tired of it. It's tired. Yeah, it's it's too much. It's too much. Before we get into our next topic, I just want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. I see, I see you guys' comments. I'm gonna bring those up right now. Uh, we got, uh, we got, uh, of course, uh, Joseph G. I'm not at his house. He's only a few miles away from me, but I'm in the, I'm in the camper instead. But he, Joseph, uh, he said Paul Wipes' hips look like uh, HBK's eyes. That's pretty funny. Um, That's pretty we got IO Productions. Uh, money changes mind and vision. That's what TK is doing. That's a lot of truth um, to that, man. A lot of truth to that. Yep. Nat528. Rick said it on Wrestling Observer Radio he's got a two-year deal. Uh, Renee Valdez, that AEW is doing more spooky stuff than WWE right now. It kind of says Fact. it all. Yeah. Fact. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, USVA guy, uh, this is much more than just creative. This is about the creation of the company from the beginning with the disrespect towards New Japan. No creation of proper infrastructure. And TK is a control freak. Uh, I so think, that's what he. I think you. I don't. I don't think he's a control freak. I. I mean, like, if you're a control freak, you don't let this stuff happen. The brawl out stuff never happens. You and I have talked yeah. about this extensively. That he is his leadership skills are what hurts him. Like the disrespect yeah. for New Japan. Who fucking cares? You signed. You signed people that they didn't want to pay enough money. Boo fucking who? You yeah, want to keep people under contract? Fucking pay them. Fucking yeah. pay them. Like I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. I get so tired of the fet of the fetishization of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like their company is not great either. Go fucking watch Sonata bore you to tears for an hour and then come cry to me. Uh, Joe says that I think the fallout of Brawlout shook him and he's looking for quick fixes, dude. I so here here's and then I, I want to put a bow on this AEW uh, sky is falling thing before we get into our next topics. Um, I think I think a lot of a lot of things are true. I think. Brawl out was absolutely an issue. Losing CM Punk was an issue. I think the addition of Collision is coming across like the addition of WCW Thunder. And yep. I think WCW Thunder, while WCW was not, was kind of their, their downward trend creatively, but it exacerbated that trend downward by overextending their, the creative process over the two shows. And I think WWE for all their faults and everything um when when they have separate rosters and they have separate creative teams for both smackdown and raw i think those shows function a lot better yeah but for the vast majority of smackdown's existence it wasn't a separate roster yes yes like, yes I, I, that's, that's why i said when it is it's better is what i'm saying yeah i mean like, yeah i don't disagree with you on that but i mean except for like i don't know man like the SmackDown kind of existed as this weird thing from 99 to 2002, right? Where yeah. there's no, where it just, it was just another show. And they're prop like, I'll tell you this, the addition of SmackDown really taxed WWE too, before they did the yeah. roster split. Cause that's yes. when raw really started to fall apart, right? You're yep. talking, that's the end of the attitude era. And them doing five hours of TV because it's very similar. Like there's, I see a lot more similarities with WWE, right? The difference is there isn't a company doing worse. Like if WWE was still in the downward spiral, it'd be easier to forgive them a little bit for this. Because remember WWE had raw, then they had Sunday night heat. Then they had SmackDown very similar to AEW at dynamite. Then they had collision a rampage and they had collision, right? Very, very similar in that regard. Differences. WWE was just doing so much worse and then went out of business. So WWE, you know, was bad for a long time. You talk about the 2003 Royal Rumble. 2003 is the year I stopped watching pro wrestling because it was awful. WWE had all this talent and the creative was dog shit. I think there's a lot in common that AEW has with WWE 2003, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Well, not only that, I mean, with creative, but they're using the guys from WWE 2003. Which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, Ter yeah. How do you, I mean, like, you want to talk about glass ceilings in this company. Now we have, like, barbed wire fences. Like, yeah. I mean, I just, 
I don't know where you go with any of this. I mean, this Sting has the decency to retire. Like a lot of these guys are just gonna stick around. I was I was high on Copeland coming in, and I but I said like we got to see if he's willing to evolve his character, and the answer so far is no, 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 yep, yep. They, they uh, you know, and and who knows? Maybe Tony doesn't want him to. Maybe Tony just wants him to be Edge, but just Adam Copeland. Mike, you know, I think I, I don't know. I think that's the problem. I think that yeah. for a long time, we thought that Tony Khan would be the guy who was giving us new Japan on an American stage would bring, would give us that sports like feel of mid South would do all that. Well, at the same time he was telling us he, how much he loved ECW and attitude era and guys, I got bad news for you about ECW. It wasn't as great as you remember, especially after 1990. Does not go back and watch those shows. They're well yeah. edited, but the wrestling, the the wrestling early on is good. But then all those guys left for WCW, and <laughs> it's especially after the first pay per view, the shows really kind of suck. Yeah, right. ECW was yeah. not that good, and and that's where we are. We have a guy who I think, and this is the problem. This is why I find this situation to be hopeless. I don't think Tony thinks there's a problem despite what we might have heard from our sources today. I think he yeah. what wrestling should be. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think early on he was listening to Omega and the bucks and then he started to get heavily influenced by CM Punk. And now it appears that he's heavily influenced by these, these Pat Buck and Jimmy Jacobs and, and uh, these, these other cats that came from that WWE systems. Like, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. Look, you can you can you can sell tickets doing this, but if you want the ratings and you want the big pay-per-views, you got to pretend to be WWE, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Remember when um, AEW pay-per-views would sell out the first day? Now we're in the network. They're going to the Nassau Coliseum and have it set up for six thousand people, and they sold four thousand tickets today. And we're like, hey, that's a pretty good day. I remember being a Chicago guy who tried to get tickets to All Out twenty nineteen, couldn't get them. They were sold out in ten yeah. minutes. So. Yeah. You tell me what's better. You tell me what's better. Yeah, I think I think the the evidence is pretty clear on that. Um, so hey, um, yeah, I, I got a question for you, and I want the people in the chat to chime in too. So everybody in the chat, listen up. Um, my friend BQ over on the Impact Lounge, um, he he did uh, he finally got around to uh, talking about the TNA coming back, and he's been doing a TNA podcast since i want to say 2014 like he's he's an og of the tna podcasting um community there and you know he was pretty positive on it like much other people are and he said that right now with all the positive energy that's kind of going into tna from the wrestling community as a whole to where collectively i think most people think it's a pretty good idea that they're going back to tna um, and with people kind of the, the negativity that's being levied upon AEW right now based off of their programming and the fact that they're becoming more like WWE, is there really an opening right now for TNA to kind of to get some of those fans that are abandoning ship from AEW? You want my honest opinion on this? Yes. No. No, there isn't. Why? Go check out. Because what happened with WCW went out of business. Yeah, yeah. Did those fans I mean, did those did those fans come back? They didn't even no, yeah. they turned off the show. They didn't even turn yeah. on the simulcast of Raw. When wrestling fans get upset, they're gonna go. And I'm sorry, TNA is getting a lot of positive, especially in our circles right now. Yeah, but TNA still does not like by the wrestling fan in large, still has a stigma to it. And the people that liked TNA are gonna go flock to it. But one, it's on a network that's hard to find. Otherwise, you got to pay a buck a month or something like that. So people, they aren't going to do that. No, yeah. they will watch WWE or they will watch New Japan. No, I yeah. don't. I don't. Well, I mean, like if let's say TNA goes at, or goes absolutely crazy and doubles their ratings, they get twice as many people watching. It'll be two hundred thousand people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be, be realistic with the numbers. I mean, we can pl- yeah. like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be Debbie Downer today because pro wrestling fucking sucks. And that's the simple truth. Like they don't sell a lot of pay-per-views, right? If you double it, you still don't come close to the stuff you used to do. Don't even come close. And like, no, like look at what the NWA did, right? NWA, all they're going to CW, 200 pay-per-view buys, 200 pay-per-view buys. There's not enough room. There's not, there's not an appetite for more pro wrestling. There isn't. There's not enough. There's not enough hours in the day 
I think that people in TNA will be excited, but I don't think it's going to make a difference at all. Yeah. Especially, I think it's, it's going to be really tough on the network that they're on right now um, on access. I, I, I think, I think you put TNA on a bigger network. I think you could, you could probably grow your numbers considerably, but right now on a network that only, it's only gives a coverage about 35 million homes. Um, and then if you want it on YouTube, you, you have to pay for it. I, I, I don't, I don't think that, um, that that's really going to be, it's almost like kind of a non-starter, honestly, but look, the opportunity is there and whether or not they seize on the opportunity, that's going to be a big difference. Now, if they go into this new TNA era and they also can do WWE stuff, then they're just another, they're just another show on television, right? They're just taking up hours in the day. They're just taking up two hours every single Thursday. And then, you know, a few hours once a month on pay-per-view. Like I, I just don't see it. But if they, if they go out there and they try their best to be different, they, if they sign a Will Ospreay, Right. If they if they bring in some, you know, young, exciting talent and, and they do innovative stuff, you know, they may. Will they get AEW fans? Maybe not. Will they create new fans? I, I think there's an opportunity for that. I think I think you can create new fans. And I think anytime that you create new fans, then you're really carving out a niche for yourself. I agree. WWE's done an excellent job of creating new fans the, um, with the limitations that they have on access. I guess I don't know if you caught that. I think it might have frozen. I said I agree with you. WWE is doing an amazing job of creating new fans. They have the outreach. You have to find you have to find TNA. That's the problem yeah. with the smaller networks, with the smaller uh, companies. You have to actively seek them out. Do I think TNA yeah. can grow? Yes, absolutely. Do I think that these these frustrated AEW fans will come over and become TNA fans? I don't. I think they'll check out. Well, especially because I did go to like an AEW thread on Discord and said that here are the rules if you come join the TNA bandwagon and kind of lay down lay down the law to these guys because uh, some of them are looking to abandon ship. I said, first of all, you need to admit that Mike Tanay and Don West ruled, right? They did. You That's then accurate. need you then you need to admit that Johnny Swinger's the goat. Yes. And then you also you also have to believe in Joe Hendry. If you're willing to say those three things, then I'll welcome you onto the bandwagon. I know I do all those things. I'll probably come back in because I need some. <laughs> I need something to watch, and I do have you know we do on the show. I'll be honest, Mike. I'll be honest. This AEW sucking makes our job a lot more shitty because I don't like yeah. I don't like being in this kind of a mood when we talk. This is like the highlight of my week is getting to spend an hour and a half a week talking with you about wrestling, and the fact that that. I don't like WWE. I don't like their production value. I don't like people trying to convince me that Eli Drake is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Like I know that to be false. Like yeah. I don't, I don't like their presentation or their production. And I don't like that AEW struggles to want to be them. And the fact that TNA doesn't have a real show till January is really helping it right now. Cause you can build yeah. some anticipation, but part of me is like, is it going to be too little? Like, is it going to be too much? Right. I don't know. And I don't think they're going to sign Will Ospreay. I think he's going to go to WWE. I, yeah, I, I don't think they signed Will Ospreay either. But one one can dream, especially a guy that has a uh, has a, a TNA podcast. Um, Joe, Joe says, uh, I, th I think they can. He said, I think so. I think he's talking about growth. But huge numbers. No, but there is an opportunity for growth. Sign Will grow. Ospreay. Yeah, yeah they, they can definitely grow. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they can only go up. <laughs> well, actually... NWA did 200 pay-per-view eyes. They can still go down, actually. Turns, uh, out, space in the market. turns out having Father James Mitchell sniffing cocaine on your program, <laughs> not a draw. Not a not, draw. Not, well, maybe, you know what, JD? You know, you said this in the past. Maybe if they would have advertised that, hey, come watch this pay-per-view, because they did it when the pay-per-view was already on. Had they told people, like, you might see Father James Mitchell and some, uh, and some waitresses sniffing coke in the back. You know, if you're a CW... Right, if you're Brad Schwartz from CW, I'm, and you're bringing this fucking horseshit onto your network, like what do you what do you think? Like, I don't think that deal is done. That ink ain't dry. They ain't made no announcement. This has just been leaked to the press. What, uh -huh. what if Brad sees this is like, you know, I don't want this fucking shit on my channel. It come it comes off so second rate sleazy. It comes off so sleazy. That that I think that'll end that deal real fucking quick. Like. This is not 1996, man. That is, that is, that's not going to work. That show is going to get canceled in six months. Mark my words. I'm going to Jim Cornette this one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm back. Sorry. I got, I got kicked off again. Sorry. St- Elon Musk is not doing me any favors tonight with this uh, Starlink. Does, does no one any favors, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Yeah, but what what I was saying before I got cut off was uh was uh you know James, the James Mitchell thing while funny on Twitter, it's very low rent, it's very sleazy. It reminds me of puppet beating off in a trash can or pulling a gun on Jeff Jarrett. You know what I mean? Like a whacking off in a garbage it, trash can. You know, a midget no. a whacking off in the trash can. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Your cousin says uh, CML has pretty good big shows. They do, and what's cool about CML is like no continuity. Yeah. You just pop in and watch a match or two and go on with your day. Sim, it's, oh, pro wrestling, it's pro wrestling for tourists. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, um, I want to do that someday. I want to go to Mexico city and go to arena Mexico. Like that's like a blast list. to do. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh, JD, you don't watch, you don't watch raw, but you do watch the creeds. What are your thoughts on the creeds uh, getting called up? Uh, to as, long as, to raw? as long as they don't accidentally kill somebody, they're going to have fantastic careers. My man, yeah. Julius Creed is like the strongest human being on the planet. I fucking <laughs> love these two. They're like the Steiners, but more reckless. <laughs> it's great. I'm very, I'm yeah. very high in the creeds. I, I, um, and I know these guys, so I'm like super biased. So I can't, I can't pretend I'm not. Yeah. But I really, I really, I hope nothing but the best for them. And I think they got a, a shit ton of talent. They're still really green. But getting in there with Gable is going to be so helpful for them. But I, I did watch their match, and like when when poor Drew's in there with, with Otis, they just you know Nico and him look lost, and they just oh sorry I'm using their real names. Um, these, <laughs> these, guys, these guys, he's sorry. Um, Otis and Brutus looked lost, and like that's stuff that can't happen. And 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 Otis should know better. He's a veteran now, but Chad Gable's fantastic, and I think that he will help. He will help mentor these guys along. I really, I really do think the sky's the limit with those two men. I think that they're special. Yeah, you know they 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 look great, but they they kill other people and themselves as we saw in their uh, ladder match this past uh, Tuesday on Halloween Havoc. Um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna close the show up with our latest rendition of or latest edition of the of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame series. Uh, this week we want to talk about uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Our buddy John Muse, who's in the chat, actually wrote a really great article for Fight Game Media. And uh, I pulled some of the stats for his argument that uh, Ishii should be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, check this out. So one of the knocks on Ishii is that he's never a main eventer. He's always on the mid card, even though he typically has the best match on the card. He's never been really the guy. He's never been the champion. But John did some digging, and he said Ishii has worked at least 72 singles main events for 13 promotions in three different countries. So he is not always uh, in, in the mid card. And when he is in the main event, he's typically on the best match of the show. Um, out of 149 matches uh, ranked, his average star rating for the Wrestling Observer is 4.32. And he was only ranked behind, um, and this is out of all the people that are on the ballot or already Hall of Famers, he was number four behind Omega, who's in the Hall of Fame. Takagi, who's on the ballot, and Ibushi, who's in the Hall of Fame. And he's ahead of 35 current Hall of Famers. He's also number two on Cage Match with an average 8.07 rating out of 193 matches. Our friend John says, put Ishii into the Hall of Fame. I'll be honest. Um, when John started, because he, he kind of workshopped this with us. And uh, when he said Ishii in the Hall of Fame, my initial, I was like, yeah, sh- sure. You know, but I didn't see it like really when I thought I'm like, he's a mid card guy. Like he's an excellent mid card guy, but he's a mid card guy. I read John's thing and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like that did a really good job of selling me. Like um, you and I are going to do a mock Hall of Fame voting session on overtime this week. And I'm going to give you a spoiler. I'm going for Ishii. Like I don't, when reading the, when reading a compelling case, I don't know how you don't really consider him, especially amongst, especially amongst the Japanese talent that's on the ballot this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think it's, he, he's, a, it's hard to say a lock because a lock is somebody that covers. Lock. Yeah. A lock is a guy that, that hits all three categories. Right. And, and he's really like long, he's got longevity and um, I don't know if he's got historical significance or not, but the match quality, he's got it, and he's got it in droves. He's one of the greatest wrestlers that there's ever been inside the ring. Um, when you're talking about pure star ratings or you're talking about cage match ratings, I think cage match rating 
it gives you a better barometer of, of what is really good because nothing against Dave Meltzer, but that's just his opinion of what is good. It's one guy's opinion when he's talking about a star rating. Um, sure. I think cage, I think cage match weight ratings way more. However, it is the wrestling observer newsletter hall of fame. So, but I think if you look at both of them, they're both like right up there. Like an eight is basically like four and a quarter star, right? Like that there, that's pretty similar. Um, he, Every time, every time I watch a show with Ishii on it, he's the one that always stands out the most to me. Um, and he, no matter where he goes, he always delivers. Dude, he came over to Impact and did a match with Josh Alexander. They fucking tore the house down. And he is a guy, he's like a mid-carder in New Japan, and this was like the beginning of the Impact New Japan kind of partnership a little bit. Brought him over, and he killed it. It was like four and a quarter star from Elcher, but I had it higher than that. Um, and then I see him over going over to the UK wrestling for pro wrestling, um, the revolution pro revolution like, pro. his matches, his matches over there. He had a match with Keith Lee that was insanity, dude. And then of course you talk about his, uh, his history in the G one, like he, he's probably the greatest G one wrestler that there's ever been. I'm going to tell you something. I've never, I have never star rated a match in my life. I don't, couldn't tell you where yeah. two or three, I just, my brain doesn't operate like that, but. A year, a year and some change ago, I took my kid. No, this is actually last November. I take that back. It was almost a year ago. I took me and my kid went to the Dynamite in Chicago, and it was when Chris Jericho wrestled Tomohiro Ishii. And my kid has talked about that for the last year about how Chris Jericho's chest was purple, and Andy was he walk around the house going Ishii, <coughs> Ishii, like he just <laughs> he passed the seven year old test. Like when a yeah. little kid can recognize just how great someone is who's not getting a push. And I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? My little seven-year-old doesn't know anything really about pro wrestling except that Darby Allen is cool. Can see greatness in Tomohiro Ishii. Who am I to disc who am I to discredit that? I think he's yeah. in. Yeah, John makes the point that if you think he is one of the best ever. That is significant. I, I think what I sure. meant was like in, influence on other people, but um, I, I think, you know what? And I might just be wrong about that because we just haven't seen it like completely yet. But then if you take a look at, you know, guys like Eddie Kingston, they're basically doing all Japan matches, but I think you'll start seeing a lot of people mimic him uh, going forward. Uh, and then his historical significance will probably be up there. What's well, a guy like Marafuji, right? I think at the time people thought Marafuji was just a decent high flyer, but then you see the influence he had on the next generation. Or hey, Abuza yeah. is another one that I saw that's on the ballot this year. Like hey, Abuza yeah. and Azura was cool, but I don't think anybody thought, man, that's a legend. But there's so many guys today that grew up watching hey, Abuza tapes that I think mm -hmm. that it takes a generation sometimes, which is why I'm glad that guys can stay on the ballot because sometimes think people get voted in that maybe shouldn't. Like if you look at the the his, the modern performers this year, there's a lot of guys that I'm not gonna vote for if my vote counted. Because I don't think it's right to elect to vote in people whose careers are still going because their stories aren't written yet, you know? Yeah, um, unless unless they're stone cold locks, right? Like unless they're just like um, um, like Steve Austin, right? Like, I, you know, yeah. if it's that guy Hulk Hogan. The business. Yeah, fair, yeah fair. you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan, Rick, like like those type of guys. Um, I, I, I could I could see I could see that argument. Um, but it, with pro wrestling, nobody ever really retires. <laughs> so, so it's kind of hard to say, oh, well, we have to wait to vote for him until their career is yeah, over. But you, you, you can wait until Sting 65. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's not, he's not a main event player anymore. And it took Sting a long time to get in. Right. And well, Sting that's was... because people are jerks and they're assholes and they don't understand shit. Sorry. No, I agree with that. But I think a lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people that we respect that were anti Sting until not too, not too recently. Like I think yeah. what I think what hurt Sting was the poor creative of AEW of to me AEW sorry force of habit <laughs> um, the poor creative of WCW and uh, TNA for the most yeah. part and I think yeah. um, I think going to WWE helped Sting finally and I think that this revitalization run in AEW has helped him because again we've talked about it before Sting the fact that Sting was a star with the booking that he had is amazing. Yeah. Right, like some like it felt like guys like Ole Anderson were trying to destroy him with the booking that they were giving him. So you know, well, it was almost like you know um, the Turner Comp of Sting down Ole's throat, and he was like, "Well, if that's what you're going to do, I'm going to give him all this horrible shit to do to prove that uh, he's not a draw." Mission, mission accomplished, Ole. That is why <laughs> yeah. he is a guy that I'm. Would you vote for Ole in the Hall of Fame? 
We're going to do spoilers now? Uh, no, no, I would not. Would you? No, no, I wouldn't. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, 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 I was, I was weighing it and, you know, he did, he, he did book a lot of different territories. He did have some success. I just don't know that he had enough sustained su- success. Cause like here, and, and we're going to get into this on overtime. We're actually, we only got like, you know, a little over a minute left, but I was like weighing him against like somebody like Morris Siegel, right. From Houston, mm-hmm. Morris Siegel had one of the top territories in the country from 1929 to 1966 up until his death. I think actually, I think he died in 1967, 1967. And then that's when Paul Bosch took over as the promoter. Um, and Paul Bosch was like his understudy was his announcer. Like that is sustained superior performance, right? Agreed. Only, only, only kind of had like up and down periods and they would kind of move around because his attitude would fuck everything up. He was like the King of Georgia for a while. And then he got moved over to mid South, not mid South, uh, mid Atlantic. And then he was WCW booker in one of the worst eras of WCW history. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think you, that you reward that type of guy. He booked, he booked, mid-atlantic and georgia at the same time yeah like he was and while they were making while both companies were making money like in but the early 80s i mean yeah. you guys didn't book for we're that t- long yeah I mean, yeah so like, that's what i'm saying like for a couple it was a years. different era it's a different era yeah. though like morris siegel actually ran the territory only's yeah. was different i don't know like i, I can be sold on only i'm i gotta think about it like yeah sometimes i think like the, someone's historical significance can play a role in that too and i don't think yeah. you can argue that Oli's presence isn't significant to how pro wrestling is shaped today without only anderson this place looks a lot different but is it it's got to be positive historical historical i think it is positive i think it okay. is positive i think he's one of the guys that jump starts the national race like everyone's so quick to credit events but Oli was doing it too just but before. is it- but is that a, but do you, it depends on if you see that as a positive <laughs> because it was, he, jumps, it was he jump-started it and then got his ass kicked <laughs> not at first i mean like but they i mean if you just look at the ohio thing like like only poke piercing into ohio from georgia like that's like the shot across the bow yeah. right and then fritz is trying to do the same thing they had syndication hey. everywhere by the mid 80s we should do this on sunday well, yeah well yeah we'll, we'll 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 table this conversation but i just got an email from Patreon that Lil Mikey just uh, subscribed to our Patreon. So thank you, Lil Mikey, for becoming a pa- Patreon Mike subscriber. No, not yeah. him. Oh, okay. No, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm trying to find that guy. He, he was not in the chat tonight. Did you just notice? Yeah, that? I wonder why. <laughs> hey guys in the chat, I love you. Um, but yep. if you have your own Twitch channels, please don't just stream this. Like, like, and I love a good pirate video. Like Joe offered up his plex to JD. I think JD should take him up on it. Because you know that's got a, a tons of uh, wrestling and tons of movies and TV shows. I love a good pirate video, but the podcast that he streamed on his Twitch was free. Like just <laughs> link the like link the video. Like don't just take the video and put it on your Twitch. You're not making money off of it. So I, I, I that that I I just don't understand that. Like why are you stealing free shit? It's like it's like going to the house, like going trick or treating and then taking all of the candy when people leave the bowl out there. So you're just gonna get more on the next house. Like don't take it all asshole some kids did that we put my wife yeah. went real quick my wife is a wonderful person so we uh we wanted to both we have the one kid we both want to take him trick-or-treating him and his best friend so my wife set up a table in front of the house and we have a small neighborhood right so we had three bowls one of candy one of potato chips because some kids can't have candy and one of pokemon cards right so we walked the neighborhood we passed our house and there were five more houses that had trick-or-treating so when we, when I checked our house, I stopped and grabbed a Reese's peanut butter cup because I was a little hungry. And the bowls were more than half full. And when we got back to our house 10 minutes later, the bowls were empty. And what bugs me about, <laughs> what bugs me about it, because if we had a bunch of teenagers and everybody be like, oh, you know, teenagers, that's what teenagers do. We don't. We had a bunch of kids whose parents were walking them around. Mm-hmm. And that's what bugs me is you can't is parents who can't tell their kids no don't take the whole thing right as a parent you're supposed to be better than that yeah right you're not supposed so, to condone that behavior so i got some scumbags in my neighborhood yeah i always tell we always tell my kid take just one unless they say take more take just mm-hmm. one and always say thank you right mm-hmm. so take your treat get the candy then say thank you always well, and Andy and Isaiah were coming. Goes, we only took two. They said we could take as much as we want, but we didn't want to take them all. We only, we only took two. 
Yeah. And like, I'm like, okay, you're, that's Isaiah's best friend. I'm like, okay, you're, you guys are doing good. Proud of you too. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good job, Andy and Isaiah. And then of course my daughter, Isabella. Uh, And uh, yeah, good, good, good job, everybody. Um, Guys, we're going to table the uh, the hall of fame discussion because JD actually has to get up early in the morning. So we need to, we need to get this show uh, uploaded to, to, to Rich and Joe. Um, And we got, we got to get a move on. This is weird being on the same time zone as you. I'm used to it only being seven o'clock. First time. First time we've ever been in the same time zone. (laughs) This is the closest you and I have ever been to each other. Yeah. And we're still so far away. Oh, <laughs> which, my heart. Which kind of yeah, which kind of sounds a little depressing. I don't want to end bit. it on that note, but oh, this but, whole show's been nothing but depressing. So why not yeah. close it out like but that? But hey guys, uh please give us a big thumbs up. Make sure that you comment on the video, make sure you're a subscriber to the Voices of Wrestling Network. And then also be like little Mikey and become a Patreon subscriber today. Head over to Patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show where JD has a full video version of the JD Oliva project out. And uh, also, I have uh, Brace for Impact already out. I've already done it. A turning point, Impact Turning Point, is going to be tomorrow night. Will Ospreay versus Eddie by God Edwards um, in the main event. I will be covering that. I'll have a Brace for Impact out on Saturday morning covering that entire show. Um, so be on the lookout for that. That's only going to be for the Patreon uh, community. So thank you, everybody. And until next week, mahalo. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-man No way, from the track when we unite and spit This isn't A-game, better bring your A-game Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-man No way, from the track when we Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.